1209, this is Jeff Wagner. So glad to have you with us. We have an eclectic show today. Serious stuff, lighter stuff, news fatigue, going to the movies, solo, all sorts of things coming up. Let us get started. It has always been my belief, and it is the belief of a number of conservatives, that if if you are a liberal and you want to, shortly before elections, plant a hostile story and you're looking for, well, the outlet to choose to do it, it is the Associated Press. Uh, the AP in Wisconsin, I think, has a history, and it, the individual reporters, of, well, being very, very liberal-leaning in their efforts. I'll give you an example of that. really saw this. This is 2004, September of 2004, George Bush running for re-election. And if you think back then... It was a very, very contested race. I mean, of course, you had the invasion of, uh, you, you had the, you know, the war in Iraq and things like that. And um, a lot of liberals were just absolutely convinced that John Kerry w- was going to win. And there was this huge kind of anti-Bush sentiment that was out there. Uh, September of 2004, President Bush was in Wisconsin, and he was actually holding a rally at State Fair Park in West Dallas. Now, I remember this because we carried his remarks live during my program. And it was about 30 or 45 minutes, and we we carried the remarks. And at the beginning of the speech, President Bush came out and announced to the crowd that he wanted to extend his best wishes to ex-President Clinton for a speedy recovery from coronary bypass surgery, which was scheduled uh, the following week. Right. And, and there, actually, there were some oohs and there was some an applause from the crowd because nobody knew that, that this was apparent. I think the first time the general public knew that the former President Clinton, who was a Democrat, was going to be going undergoing coronary bypass surgery. All right. Fine. And, and we carried it live. We carried it live. The Associated Press. And by the way, the Associated Press has never been willing to publicly state the reporter that wrote what I'm about to tell you. But I believe I know who that person is, and I believe he is still writing for the Associated Press, not in Wisconsin, but still writing for the Associated Press. In any event, there is a story that that they do, um, and this is the original report. A crowd at a Bush rally in West Dallas, Wisconsin, booed when President Bush offered ex-President Clinton best wishes for speedy recovery from coronary bypass surgery scheduled for next week booed well i i freely acknowledge i went nuts about this because we carried the report and actually it got picked up nationally and internationally about how this was just made up by the associated press reporter just just made up and ultimately the associated press the following day had to acknowledge that they had put out an incorrect story um This is a correction to an incorrect story posted by AP on Friday, stating the crowd booed the president when he sent his good wishes. The crowd, in fact, did not boo. (laughs) And then the the AP in Washington and New York, while acknowledging the correction, refused, like I say, they refused to identify the reporter. But it was one of these classic examples of if there were not bias, you could not get this wrong. I mean, we you listen to this thing live on the radio, and it was clear that – I mean, there's actually applause and there was some, you know, surprise. There wasn't any booing, but that's what happened when you have these biased reporters. I bring this up because there is another story 
Here we are 14 years later on the virtual eve of an election, and there's another story percolating. Next Tuesday, there is an election in the 42nd Assembly District. This is Columbia County, part of Dane County. It, it's, it's rural Dane County. This is the assembly seat. What happened is the guy who held the seat resigned in December to take a job with the Walker administration. So the seat has been vacant. This is the one that it's up for re-election. It's up for election in November. Governor Walker didn't want to fill it. He just wanted to say, okay, let's not spend however many tens of thousands or hundred thousands of dollars we have to spend to fill this for just a couple months. Let's just let the people elect somebody in November. Eric Holder, the former attorney general of this of the United States, parachutes in. They go to court. They fight this. And ultimately, you get this order saying you have to have a special election. So there's a special election to replace a state senator in the Green Bay area and this assembly district. The Republican who's running is a guy named John Plumer. Now, this is this is next week. This is the story that, that the Associated Press writes yesterday, essentially, again, a week before the election. A Republican running for an open state assembly seat next week was cited for disorderly conduct after he kicked his then 18-year-old daughter out of the house nearly 21 years ago. Let me read that lead. A Republican running for an open state assembly seat next week was cited for disorderly conduct after he kicked his then 18-year-old daughter out of the house nearly 21 years ago. Plumer on Monday denied hurting anyone in the 1997 incident, saying his daughter exaggerated the episode. State Democratic spokesperson Melanie Conklin said the incident certainly speaks to Plumer's character and is important for voters in the special election to know. According to police reports, Plumer and his family were living in Sun Prairie in October of 1997 when Plumer kicked his 18-year-old daughter, Jennifer, out of the house during a family argument. Neighbor Darwin Dobson told police the teenager showed up on his doorstep and told him that Plumer had physically pushed her out of the house. She said he tore a phone off the wall and pushed her mother to the floor. Dobson told police he went over to the Plumer house to check on the wife. When she opened the door, her eyes were red and puffy from crying. She said she was all right, but Dobson said Plumer then confronted him in the driveway to accuse him of prying. All right, Plumer told police he never pushed his wife down. He said he was arguing with his daughter and escorted her out by the arm. Christine Plumer, that's the mom, told police the same thing. He was cited for disorderly conduct. This is not a criminal charge. It's, again, it's like an ordinance violation. It's a civil violation. Plumer said in a telephone interview Monday he didn't think the uh, blah, blah, blah. Let's see. Uh, court records show he posted a $177 bond and was released. Um, he ended up paying a $116 ticket for disorderly conduct. A search of online court records in Wisconsin found no other arrests for Plumer, and he said he had had no other arrests. He said he yelled at his daughter. God was in a weird mood when he created teenagers, he said, but he never pushed his wife down. He also denied he ever spoke to Dobson in the driveway. Jennifer Plumer, that's the daughter, said that she lied about what happened that night. 
She and her father were yelling at each other, and he kicked her out, but he didn't hurt her, she said. She said she told Dobson that her father pushed her mother down because she had a rocky relationship with her father and was looking for ways to hurt him. My wife and children mean the world to me, Plumer said in a statement. I would never hurt any of them. Of course, years ago, I accepted my daughter's apology for mischaracterizing the situation. The Associated Press is now running this story of something that happened 21 years ago. 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Spokesperson for the Democratic Party of Wisconsin says, This incident speaks to Plumer's character and is important for voters in the special election to know. And, of course, the Associated Press makes sure that that happens. Let's tee this up. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. 21 years ago, girl, the guy's daughter would now be, what, uh, pushing 40 years old. He gets into an argument with his daughter. He tosses her out of the house after part of a family argument. Police end up getting called. He gets a disorderly conduct citation, which is not criminal. All right, not criminal. Pays the $116 fine. Is that relevant in next Tuesday's election? 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. 1218, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 1220, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is there a statute of limitations on bad behavior? And does this story, a week before the election, even rise to the level of bad behavior? The guy who's running as a Republican in the special uh, state uh, state assembly district special election, twenty one years ago, nineteen ninety seven, he and his eighteen year old daughter are in a verbal argument. He tosses her out of the house. She goes apparently across the street and falsely tells the neighbor, "Oh, he pushed me down." All right. Well, she now says that didn't happen. I was just trying to hurt my father. The police come. And the police ultimately end up giving the guy a disorderly conduct ticket. Not a crime. Not uh, He pays a $116 fine, moves on. No further examples of that. But the screaming headline is, Republican running in special election for open Wisconsin assembly seat, once cited for disorderly conduct. I mean, give me a break. The, the Democrat who's running uh, Gwen Moore's kid was convicted, you know, after a 2004 incident where he and a couple of his buddies went out and slashed the tires on a number of vans belonging to the Republicans or rented by the Republicans to take voters to the polls. I I don't see those screaming headlines, but here you have somebody who gets into, I don't even going to describe it as a domestic dispute, and, and this is the story. This is the type of sleazy, biased coverage that I think Republicans and conservatives have to deal with on a regular basis. And if people in the mainstream media wonder why, wonder why so many people hold them in so low regard, these are those type of stories. Here's the one of our texts. It's not relevant. And at the end of what you said, the daughter had misrepresented what happened. But the only thing people are going to read is the headline that said he assaulted her or that he was cited for disorderly conduct. Is it accurate? Yes, it's accurate. Is it true? No, 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 it, it's not. But this this is the type of stuff that is out there. Just like, gee, you know, the crowd booed, the crowd booed President Clinton. 
of completely made-up fake news story. This is another one that fits into that same thing. And I understand there's people in the mainstream news media who hate it, absolutely hate it when people talk about fake news, and I get it. But my response is, if you don't want to be criticized for fake news, well, then don't come out with fake news. And this is precisely, precisely that type of situation. When we come back, are you wondering why you're getting more robocalls, and do we need to do something about it? Stick around. It's 1225. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1225, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. The Brewers Road Trip continues as they look to get the bats going against the two-time Cy Young Award winner. The crew are in Cleveland to face the Indians, and our coverage starts at 535 this evening. Sponsored by Catholic Financial Life. Be sure to check it out. If you think you are getting more robocalls than ever before, you're right. Two interesting stories. Wall Street Journal has a story in today's Wall Street Journal talking about how robocallers are making more calls than ever. Now, one of the ways, one of the ways that the people make these calls, that they make money, is of course, if somebody picks up a call and there's a scammer who's part of the robocall and they come in and they talk you into uh, giving up your credit card number, your bank account number, or something like that, that's where the big money is. However, and this is something a lot of people didn't know, and at least I didn't know it until I saw this story. Another way that the robocallers make money is if they call your place and caller ID comes up, in other words, they're able through making the phone call to get your name somehow. You know, it'll show up, it'll list what your name is. In that case, what they're able to do is they're able to sell the fact that your name is associated with a particular number and they're able to make some money that way. Even if you don't answer, if they're able to figure out your name, they get a little bit of money, not as much money. At the same time, uh, Channel 6 yesterday had a really interesting story. Um, where they went back and they looked at the number of robocalls that were being made for April. For example, April of this year, 3.4 billion, billion robocalls were placed in the United States. The average person gets 10 or 11 robocalls a month. Rue, who's producing the show, where are you on that? Do you get more than 10 or 11? You get more. A lot more, would you say? You get at least two a day. Yeah, I, I would say I get more as well. I don't have a landline, so this is just on my cell phone. I mean, I, I'm getting, I probably get three or four or five, and nobody has the cell phone number. I mean, almost nobody has my cell phone number. I get three or four or five. In southeastern Wisconsin, a, um, let's see, here's they estimate that um, the, in the 414, the Milwaukee area, 414 area code, received 9.9 million robocalls in April. That's roughly 10 calls per person. The 608 area code, so Madison, um, they got roughly uh, 6 million calls, which would translate into 5.6 calls per person. The 920 area code got uh, got 5.7 million calls. That's 4.6 per person. And the 262 area code got 5.1 million calls, roughly about 4.5 per person. Now, again, I, I think, I mean, my experience is that sounds to me like it's awful low, but we are getting swamped, absolutely swamped with these various robocalls that are out there. 
Our numbers are 414. Our number is 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. I think it is way beyond time for our legislators to get involved in saying these automatic type of calls. Now, keep in mind, they're not all scams. They're not all scams, but a lot of them are, or they're annoying, or they're solicitations for stuff that we don't want. And for every robocall I get reminding me that I've got a dental appointment you know, the next day or that the dog is due to get groomed on Friday, for every call I get like that, I get five, six, or seven unsolicited calls um, trying to either sell me something or trying to scam me in some way. And I think it is way past time for us to start cracking down on these, maybe to the point of even saying, you know what, automated dialing, no more. 414-799-1620, how big a problem is this for you? How annoying is it for you? And do we need to come up with a solution? 414-799-1620, you can call us up and uh, an actual real person will answer the phone. 1235, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Uh, the interesting report on Channel 6 last night that they estimate that in our area, depending if you're in Milwaukee or Madison or the Fox River Valley, on every month the average, they estimate that you get somewhere between yeah, four and a half to ten unsolicited robocalls per month. I, I, th- I get three or four a day, I, I would say, and um, you know more some days than others. 414-799-1620. But it is incredibly uh, annoying, and keeping in mind that most of the calls I get are either unsolicited things for stuff I don't want to buy or out-and-out scams trying to fool me into giving bank accounts or whatever, I think this is the consumer fraud issue of 2018. 414-799-1620. Let's start with Jeremy in Brookfield. Hi, Jeremy. Hi. Hi. Glad to be on the show. Thanks for Um, calling. I guess my comment right now is that we can't take four phone lines between my fiancé and I. Uh, One is a pre-existing phone line, which is in our house from our grandparents. kind of got the house over time. Phone came with it, and... You know, the house phone is one thing because uh, it's existed so long that there's a lot of cell marketers calling. But the issue is that we have three cell phones, and when we go to block these numbers, it's the same recording that calls back from a different number. A lot of them are local, 414262. But the fact that we're blocking them, and then they're just calling back with the same recording from another number, I question the legality of that. Well, I mean, it. I mean, plus, what are, do you, I mean? Well, you don't even know what they're trying to sell you or what they're trying to get from you, do you? No, no, a lot of the time, no, it's just recording up front. There are the camps where there is, um, a lot of times there's a person on the phone asking for a phone immediately. Right. But, um, yeah, a lot of them are recording, but now they're leaving messages on our voicemail. My fiance had 11 yesterday from three days that she had checked it. One was myself. Three were recording right. from robocalls. Right, right. And it's always call this number right away. 312, blah, de, blah, blah, de, blah. Yeah, I know you're, you're seeing a, a lot of those. Thanks for calling. I, I mean, from the question of, of legal or not, I, I don't know. Um, obviously, if the purpose is to try to scam you, then it's illegal. But you're right. It, it's filling up these, these different things and it's filling up the voicemail boxes. And again, it's just the annoyance. I, the other day, I'm driving in my car and okay, the phone rings and it's, a lot of them are what you're talking about, where it's like a local area code, and that's what's known as spoofing. That's the latest thing. Where, let's say your, uh, okay, let, let's say your number is four one four five 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 whatever whatever. Okay, and, and so what'll happen is 
you know, the, the number that will show up will be 414-555 and then something close to what your phone number is. The idea being they're trying to make you think that it's some local number that's calling you so you're more inclined to answer the call. That's what's known as spoofing, but it, it's nothing but a scam. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to, is it Julianne in Pewaukee? Hi there. Hi. Um, there are many times during the month that I get 10, 11 calls in a day, and that's just when I'm home. Yep. Um, I have Spectrum, the bundle, and most of them are blocked now. It right. rings once, and then it's gone. So it, it's ridiculous. I'm more than that four point whatever <laughs> right. a month. Right. Um, first of the month, you usually don't get anything, but then all of a sudden you get them. And sometimes they call back in five minutes because it's the same number that's calling you in. Right now, are you, do you have do you have a cell phone, or are you getting these on the, the as part of like that Spectrum bundle? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I have a cell phone. Um, it's not to uh, Spectrum, but I do get the calls like you just talked about, where it's uh, two six two eight four four. Right. I just click them out. Yeah, exactly. It's because right, you, you end up closing it. I, I just okay. It's two thousand eighteen, and I you would, look, and I appreciate that there. I appreciate that there is some value. I mean, some of the calls are, hey, Jeff, you've got to remind, remember you've got your dental appointment on Friday. Okay, I, I get that. But I would say 90 to 95% of the calls I get, the robocalls, aren't, hey, you've got a doctor's appointment tomorrow. It's, you know, some weird voice saying, call this number right away. I don't want those calls. They're scams, and I don't think people should be able to make them. I agree. Yeah, no, thanks. Now, thanks to call 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. For every one legitimate call I get, I would say I get 10 that are unsolicited, and I don't know how many of those are fraudulent because, again, I, I just don't answer them, but it's a pain in the you-know-what. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Eric and Racine. Hi, Eric. You're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. What do you um, think? They really suck. They really need to get in life, and uh, maybe I'm in the wrong line of work. I don't know. <laughs> well, um, well, no. I mean, how many would you how many would you say that you get in a given week? In a given week, I'd probably say close to ten to twelve. Yeah. Yep. In a week, and i i have a I have a blacklisting software on my Android, and that seems to be blocking a lot of them. And I just looked on my list, and I have 19 right. numbers that are blocked in my list. Right, and there are, no, I mean, thanks for calling out. I mean, th- there are apps that you can get that are that block some of them, um, but but they're not perfect. But I guess I, I look at this and say, okay, this should this really be the responsibility of the consumer to have to do something like that, or is this a matter where we simply say, you know what, we're we're going to... You know, we're going to put some requirements on. I, I think in, in general, see, I think phone companies could do something about this if they wanted to purchase the technology to do so, but they don't really want to do that. I mean, they don't want to have, you know, that particular expense that's out there. And I don't know that there's anything you could do to get around it because my guess is the scammers and stuff, many of whom operate off offshore. A lot of people wonder, well, what, how does this, the no-call list relate to this? Well, yeah, if you're on the no-call list, the calls that you're getting are in violation. But, you know, try to identify who the consumer is. Try to identify who the customer is. And this story in the front page of the Wall Street Journal today, again, talking about how, in some cases, 
the robocallers, even if you don't answer, they're still making money as long as they're able to figure out what the what your name is if it shows up on the caller ID. Dave in Waukesha. Dave, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey Jeff, how you doing? I'm well, thank you, sir. I probably get about ten. In fact, I got one. I got one literally um, right before when you started your segment. <laughs> um, I get uh, probably about ten a day, and that's just on my cell phone. Right. And then what I found out was, you know, years ago, I mean, a bunch of times I made up political contributions. Nax has amped it up even more. Right. So, right. So, you know, rule number one is: hey, if I don't recognize the number, that's what voice is for. If it's somebody I know or whatever. Then leave a, leave a message. If not, I don't answer. Yeah, I'm the same way. If my phone rings and I don't recognize the number, it, exactly, it, it, it goes into the voicemail and I'll check it. And, and you know, most of the times the robocallers don't end up going into voicemail. But still, that's a pain in the butt, you know, because well, yeah. you yeah, I mean, kinda, you could tell by the number of rings, too. It'll, it'll actually ring like maybe six times and then it'll shut off. Right, exactly. There's nothing there. Now, thanks. See, I, here, here's. This is an example. I don't care if you're conservative or liberal or independent or Republican or Democrat. See, this is an issue that I think everybody from all political spectrums can come around on, recognizing that the vast majority of these robocalls are, in fact, scams intended to separate you from your money or, at the very least, are incredibly annoying. This is a different degree of intrusiveness. Now, I understand you know people can send you junk mail, right? But with junk mail comes into your mailbox, you put it in your left hand, you can make the decision to either open it or throw the stuff away. Phone calls are much, much more intrusive. You're sitting down, you're having dinner, um, the phone rings, and, and even if even if you make the decision that you're not going to answer it, it's still, okay, I've got to make this decision here, the phone is ringing, boom, I'm just going to block the call or whatever. You can do that, but it's a different degree of intrusiveness. And like I say, if we accept the premise that the vast majority of these robocalls are intended to rip you off, we shouldn't be allowing it. This is a major federal issue. We're one, um, we'll tell you what, we're going to move on. But if you're thinking you're getting more of these calls than you were before, the answer is, uh, yeah, you are. When we come back, news fatigue. I'll explain. Stick around. 1244, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1248, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Um, I was off a couple weeks ago. I was in Omaha, Nebraska, because um, actually one of my wife's sisters passed away. Once again, underscore, underscoring that what something many of us know, and that is that cancer sucks. We were we were in Omaha, and I had an opportunity. I I met um, a, a couple who knew knew Claire um, very well, and they're they're a pair of doctors, husband and wife. They're they're doctors from the um, Wausau area, and, and we were we were talking, and I. The, they were interested in what I what I do, and I was telling them that, and they were downloading the podcast and stuff. You can go to WTMJ.com, check out the podcast page. But, you know, they, we were talk, talking about it, and they were saying, okay, well, what, you know, tell us how you put together a show, and, and what is it? Is, is it all politics? And I said, well, no, I, I you know, we talk about politics, but, I mean, I, I like to think of the program as being a current event show. Um, sometimes that's politics. Sometimes it's sports. Sometimes it's just the news of the day. It's whatever I find to be interesting that I think, you know, will be interesting to the, the people who are kind enough to, to listen to the program. And I said, it's always a, a battle, especially in these times when you, you try to figure out, you know, what what is the balance 
you know, what do people want to hear? And again, with the understanding being, when you're trying to put together a show, you want it to be interesting. You want it to be interesting, but you want to say, I, I can't talk about, you know, national politics for three hours a day. If you want that, there's other places that you, you can go. At the same time, you don't want to do all fluffy things. You want to balance it out. But there's an interesting study that came out today from the Pew Research Center. Almost seven in 10 Americans have news fatigue, more among Republicans. Here's the way they started off. If you feel like there's too much news and you can't keep up, you're not alone. A sizable portion of Americans are feeling overwhelmed by the amount of news there is, though the sentiment is more common on the right side of the political spectrum, according to a recent Pew Research Center study. Almost 7 in 10 Americans, that's 68%, feel worn out by the amount of news there is these days, compared with only 3 in 10 who say they like the amount of news they get. The portion expressing feelings of information overload is in line with how Americans felt during the 2016 presidential election when a majority expressed feelings of exhaustion. While majorities of both Republicans and Democrats express news fatigue, Republicans are feeling it more. Roughly 77% of Republicans and Republican-leaning independents feel worn out over how much news there is compared with about 6 in 10 Democrats and Democrat-leaning independents. But regardless of, of where you are on the political spectrum, at a minimum six out of ten, and maybe as much many as eight out of ten, people say, we've got news fatigue. There's too much of this out there. We're just overloaded. Right? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is there too much news? Is there this is there a news overload? Have you gotten to the point where you just whether it's whether it's Fox News or MSNBC or CNN or or whatever, where you just want to say enough is enough. Have we gotten to that point, or are you one of those people that's just the ultimate news junkie? And these are the glory days for you. You're living in an environment where you just can't get enough of it because Lord knows that there's stuff going on twenty four seven four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Is news fatigue real? I think it is. I talk to a lot of folks that are out there, and a lot of them just say, well, you know, we're interested in current events, but it's just, it's starting to wear us down. For one, And I would say I hear that from three for every one person that says, I'm just fascinated by this. I've got to know the latest thing. What's going on with Trump in the news? What's going on with Robert Mueller? Where are we in Russia? For every one person I hear say that, I swear I hear three who say, enough, enough, we just need to take a step back. Is news fatigue real, and are you suffering from it? 414-799-1620, we discuss next. It's 1252, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1255, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, Kathy and Delafield. Hi, Kathy. Hi. Are you uh, suffering from news to- fatigue? Oh, gosh. When I hear the same story four days in a row, I switch channels. And then I find it on other channels as well. <laughs> and it happens with the national news. You hear a story on Saturday, you hear the story on Sunday, and then Monday, because nobody's listened to the radio, they repeat it on Monday. <laughs> and, and, and at some point in time, it's like, okay, I've heard this story. I don't need to hear it anymore. Let's move on. That's right. Yeah, I think I see. I think there's a lot of people. Well, Kathy, I mean, these studies, and I, I mean, I, I'm a little bit skeptical of polls, but this, this, I think, kind of reflects where people are. 
People are just, I, I think in some respects you've had enough. You want to stay up to date on current events, but you kind of get information overload after a certain point. Definitely. Thanks for the call. 414-799-1620. Christian in Sheboygan. Christian, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Uh, hey, Jeff. I um, I don't listen to any of the national media anymore. In fact, they've canceled our cable subscription. I just, I feel like it's all gossip and none of it's actual news. You know, there was uh, very little coverage about the fact that the uh, the death toll uh, from the hurricane in um, as the place is escaping my Puerto Rico right now. Uh, the death toll in Puerto Rico was way higher than than what was, we were told, and none of that was covered. It was all about uh, uh, Roseanne and Samantha <laughs> B and whatever else. I, I would like to find out what's actually happening in the world, and I think that part of the problem, frankly, is uh, that we're losing investigative journalism. Well, I, I think there. Thanks. I mean, I think there there is an element to that, and. I, at the same time, I, I think what happens is there's this kind of there's there's this group think that goes on. I've actually I've been watching this series about the New York Times on, on Showtime. Um, it's called The Fourth Estate, and it, it's sort of interesting. Now, it, the, my couple of my takeaways: you you see if you watch the show, the visceral visceral hatred that these reporters at the New York Times have for President Trump. Uh, you, you can tell they just despise him from the moment he got office. They don't feel he's legitimate. And then, you know, then, of course, they, they you can also see how they just hate to be picked on by Trump. And so they react. And then, of course, you know, Trump does his part by uh, not being candid and by getting all sorts of stories that, um, you know, by, by not being candid and just kind of having the sort of you know train wreck of an administration where people are coming and going. But you see this all and you just understand how in many cases you've got this media that's just focused like dogs on bones on certain stories. Um, and, and this is the ongoing narrative. And I think there's a lot of people that just kind of throw up their hands and say enough is enough, which is why for people like me who do a general interest show, there's always this balancing on a daily basis. It's, all right, we want to have the serious stuff. We want to have the hard news. We want to have the tough analysis. And at the same time, you want to do other things as well. As I'm looking out on the show today, that that's it. We've got some fun stuff. We've got some lighter stuff. We've got some heavier stuff that's there. But I do think this concept of news fatigue is real. So if you're one of those people that's saying, my God, it's just it's just tough to turn on the news nowadays, well, all I can tell you is you're not alone. All right, when we come back, is it a real controversy or is it a tempest in a teapot? Stick around. 1259, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 109. This is Jeff Wagner. If there is a bigger goat rope than the way the Milwaukee police and the mayor handled the Sterling Brown case, I don't know what that would be. And the story, it just gets worse and worse and worse. Tom Barrett's on Wisconsin's Morning News saying, well, well gee, you know, we, we shouldn't have just been releasing this body camera stuff. Well, no kidding. But but where were you, Tom? I mean, th- this idea that the mayor trying to wash his hands of, of the way this thing was handled is beyond me. Now, if, if you haven't you know, been following this case... Of course, we, we all know the story. Sterling Brown and a mystery woman illegally parked outside a 24-hour Walgreens uh, last, what, January. Police roll up. One officer rolls up. There's a conversation. Next thing you know, you've got two sergeants, and it seems like the whole police district has arrived. Ongoing back and forth. Ultimately, the guy gets tased. All right, so you've got the... 
first you've got you know, some of the video surveillance and the stuff that comes out. It, it look, it is very apparent here. Did, did Sterling Brown have a bit of an attitude? Yes. Did he deserve to get tased? Absolutely not. Did the way the Milwaukee police handled this situation was it appropriate? Not not even close. I mean, the guy's illegally parked. Now, I don't know what the first officer on the scene thought he had. Maybe he thought he had a drug dealer. I don't know what he had, thought he had. But but when the sergeants get there, instead of just simply figuring out what the situation was, they escalate the matter. Then you've got six or seven other police officers there. I mean, th- this was one where the sergeants should have taken control as soon as they got there and saw that this was not a situation where it was a parking ticket situation. That's where you tell everybody else to leave. Go back to whatever you're doing. Try to catch real criminals. So it, it was mishandled from the beginning. It was then mishandled, in my opinion, by the mayor who got involved early on. He's talking to the Bucks. I mean, what, what was he doing with that? But the, the big example of how this was mishandled was, you know, after they had pretty much completed their investigation and realized what they have. The new police chief, and I described this a couple weeks ago, four words, and those four words are still true, not ready for prime time. Prime time is one word. Here's how the city of Milwaukee should have handled this matter. And it's real simple. It's real straightforward. You have a news conference. You come out and you say, all right, we have investigated the way this has been handled. We have determined that, you know, there were mistakes that were made. Here is all the body camera footage that we have. Here are the reports. Here is the disciplinary action that we are taking. You put it all out there. You tie it up in a bow and put it out there. Now, how did the Milwaukee police handle this situation? Well, first... You have one of these, what is it, the assistant police chief that shows up at some community thing and says cryptically, well, you know, we're, we're going to be releasing something that's going to give us a lot of problems. Then you have people who are selectively shown the video, so they start talking about it. Then you release some of the video, and the police chief isn't making any comments on it. Then you release some other stuff, some disciplinary stuff, but the police chief doesn't have a press conference. So instead of it being a one- or two-day story, it is now a story that's dragged on a week, and now you release all sorts of other body camera uh, footage that does not present the police in a very good light to the point that now you've got the mayor saying, well, I don't know why this stuff is dribbling out. Fair question, Tom. It, It is your city. I mean, this is your police chief. You know, wouldn't it have been better back when you knew what was going on here and everybody knew this was being involved, you stand up with the new police chief, you have this press conference, you say, this is what we have, here it is, we are truly being transparent, we've got nothing to hide, boom, here it goes. And you put it all out there. And then, you know, you you let the chips fall where they may. Instead of this drip, 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 what's the next story? What's the next story that drags this out for weeks? Here's the deal. The police made a mistake. The officer on the scene overreacted. The sergeants overreacted to this. It was not handled well. It just, it flat out wasn't. Does this mean Sterling Brown is, in my opinion, entitled to millions of dollars in a lawsuit? No, but it wasn't handled well. 
The police are getting a black eye from the way this was handled. The officer who rolled up on the scene first, to me, had an attitude. A couple of the other police officers who showed up had attitudes. It wasn't appropriate supervision there. There's a lot of blame that goes around. And maybe maybe some of it even rests with the Bucks player. All right, but but we don't do anybody any favors by dribbling this stuff out and, and making the news media uh, leaking some stuff to favored reporters, not telling other people what happened, dribbling this out on a, on a little bit on a daily basis, one thing or another, and you keep it in the news. It's just been mishandled from the beginning, and I blame the mayor in part for that. I certainly blame the police chief. Maybe it's the Fire and Police Commission as well. But you you got to figure out how to handle these different types of things because, like I say, this is an ongoing mess. Now I see there's a story in the Journal Sentinel that uh, police sergeant in the Sterling Brown arrest has a history of using force with taser. Not the guy. And this isn't the sergeant that. This isn't the person that tased him. And I don't think it's the sergeant that actually you know directed him to be tased. But it, but again, these are going to be the stories that are out there. This is going to continue to have legs, and part of it is because of the abysmal way that the Milwaukee Police Department, starting with the new chief, handled this particular situation. Frustrating. And it doesn't portray the Milwaukee police in a good light, and that is the unfortunate thing. They would have been just so much better off if they would have owned this from the jump and then, you know, said, okay, this is everything. This is all that we have. You take the bad press for a day or two. And then you say we're going to try to do better instead of every day there's something new coming out that gives people an opportunity to write or report on a different aspect of the story, none of which makes you look good. I mean, my message to the mayor and the police chief is, for the love of God, get your act together. It's one fifteen. When we come back, all right, some people will be saying that to the President of the United States. Is this controversy involving the Philadelphia Eagles Really as much of a controversy as some people make it. Stick around. 115, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 119, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Should you pay off your mortgage? The new tax law means millions of tax filers who got the mortgage interest deduction last year won't get it in 2018, or at least won't get all of it. Gene Miller has the details. 651 tomorrow on Wisconsin's Morning News. Check it out. All right. The, the, Trump is out of control story of the last news cycle has been the situation involving the visit by the world champion NFL team, the Philadelphia Eagles, to the White House. All right. Everybody knows it is a tradition with the various with various sports championship teams, baseball, football, basketball, hockey on the professional level, a lot of times on the college level as well to schedule a visit to the White House. And what happens is the players and team executives come, they invite fans and stuff, and it's a setting that they come out, and there's a, at the end it's a photo op where the president um, the president appears with the teams. Lots of times they'll give the president a jersey that's got his name on it. Okay, all that stuff. When it comes to football, there's no question that President Trump has been involved in the controversy that has embroiled the NFL over a handful of NFL players kneeling. All right? Trump has used that to make the larger point of, you know, the players are disrespectful or whatever, and he's galvanized public opinion, and as a result, you know, the NFL's now changed its rules, and they have a rule that, to me, makes the ultimate, it makes a lot of sense. It's that if you're going to come out on the field, you stand for the national anthem. If you don't want to stand for the national anthem, stay back in the tunnel. 
And that, that's a rule that I think makes eminent sense. But there's no question that this has been a political football, no pun intended. So anyhow, the Philadelphia Eagles are scheduled as a team to come to do their visit. It was supposed to be today. There's a lot of Eagle fans that had been invited. I assume they have ties to either the team or the White House. You know, they were invited. They were expecting, I think, like about a 1,000 people for the ceremony. Well, the the Eagles reach out to the president, and this is the team. And the team says almost all of the coaches and players are not going to be coming. As a matter of fact, fewer than 10 members of the team we're planning to attend the event this afternoon. So you've invited all these people, and, and nobody, they're not going to show, all right? Now, I think the reason they've decided they're not going to show is this is sort of a support of unity, that we don't like President Trump or we don't like him criticizing um, other teams in the NFL or other players in the NFL who knelt. Nobody on the Eagles you know, knelt on the sidelines. But in any event, the Eagles players and coaches decide that the vast majority of them, almost all of them, aren't going to show up. And so after being told that the vast majority of them aren't going to show up, the, the White House decides they're going to cancel the event. Um, here's the statement that the White House releases yesterday. This is from the president. The Philadelphia Eagles are unable to come to the White House with their full team to be celebrated tomorrow. They disagree with their president because he insists that they proudly stand for the national anthem, hand on heart, in honor of great men and women of our military and the people in our country. There were more than a 1,000 fans who'd been invited to a celebration. They'd still be welcome at the White House for a different type of ceremony, one that will honor our great country, pay tribute to the heroes who fight to protect it, and loudly and proudly play the national anthem. Um, He said, the president says he's going to be there at 3 o'clock, that's 2 o'clock our time, with the United States Marine Band and the United States Army Chorus to celebrate America. All right, and then that further infuriates some of these players who don't like being accused of being unpatriotic. I don't really want to talk about the national anthem debate anymore because, frankly, I'm kind of burned out on it. I think a lot of people are. I think the NFL wants to try to move past it. But I want to talk about the decision to cancel the event. 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I don't think there's any question that President Trump did exactly the right thing. I mean, you're, the the purpose of the purpose of the the ceremony as it was was to honor and recognize the NFL champion Eagles. If the team is not going to come, or at least the vast majority of the team isn't going to show up, what is the point of going ahead with that exercise other than simply? you know, to embarrass yourself. It doesn't make any sense to me that the president would go ahead and conduct an event honoring a team when nobody from the team wants to show up. And that's their right. They have the right to, if they want to protest or they want to show up or they don't like Trump, they don't have to come. I don't I don't fault that. But to expect the White House to go ahead with the event in its form that it was intended to when nobody's going to show up for it is is absurd. It would sort of be like if we had somebody that wanted to, you know, honor, you know, we want to honor the the hosts at WTMJ who've been on the air for so long. And for whatever reason, all of us decided that we weren't going to go. <laughs> oh, well, okay. Well, it doesn't make much sense to go ahead and have the event. I don't criticize the White House for 
at least canceling the event in the form it was in and saying, all right, if they're not going to come, well, well, fine, they're not going to come. Why go ahead with an event that was intended to have 100 people at, that is 100 members of the team or whatever, where only 10% of them are going to show up? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I think this was precisely the right thing for the president to do. Now, you might disagree with him in the way he approaches this. You might think he should have politicized the anthem thing. All right. I, I, okay. One, Maybe you're right. Maybe you're wrong. But at this point in time, when you've invited a bunch of guests and the vast majority of them aren't going to show up, what are you supposed to do? 414-799-1620. We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 125. It's Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 127, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Diana in Sheboygan. Hi, Diana. Hi. Um, my comment is I don't feel it has anything to do with them kneeling for the national anthem because the Eagles, they stood. Those right. players did. They were not the ones kneeling. And if you remember, it's that they don't like Trump. It's his policies. It's what he has said about race. Um, and it's also the Golden State Warriors yep. wouldn't they, go either right. because of Trump. It is because of Trump and only Trump. Well, do, do you fault him for canceling the event when almost nobody was going to attend? I don't. Yeah. Um, I think it's not that – I think it's his little ego got hurt. That nobody wants to show up to his party. Yeah, and I and I, I mean, thanks for calling, Diana. I, I don't necessarily disagree. I just, I, I guess, I don't understand why this is quite the story that it has become. Because I mean, I, I, I think, I think the Eagles players and coaches, for whatever reason, have every right to decide that they're not going to go. And I, I, I do think that I believe that the majority reason is that they don't like the fact that he's politicized th- this issue. But that's okay. I, but, but whatever reason, they don't want to go to the White House. Now, I think that would be kind of cool. I would love the opportunity, and I've said this before. I mean, I've had the opportunity to meet many of the presidents during my lifetime, Republican and Democrat, and I always think it's cool for the chance to meet a president. Even if it's a president I don't necessarily agree with, I think that that's cool. If I had the chance to get invited to the White House and participate in a ceremony with, say, Barack Obama, and I was not a fan of President Obama, but you're meeting the president. I think that would be cool. But, you know, if people decide, no, we're not going to go, I get it. It's a free country. I don't have a problem with that. But at the same time, if you've invited a team and 90% of the team, for whatever reason, say we don't want to go, well, I at that point in time, I I think it's fine to say, all right, well, we're not going to have the event with the team. The team doesn't want to come. We'll just we'll do something different. Eric in Caledonia. Eric, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, Jeff. I've got a couple thoughts on this. First of all, could he have not tried to reach out to the team and see if there was any way to get more of the players to come? Or is that too beneath him? Well, I don't know. Do you think at, at, at that stage, what, what, what do you think realistically, Eric, what do you think he could have done which would have caused more players to come. Don't you think the die was kind of cast on this one? Well, I mean, he, he was largely cast, and he cast it oh. with the relentless attacks in the NFL over the last oh. year and a half. Yeah. Uh, he could have tried to apologize, talk personally to a couple of the players. Well, I don't think he. I mean, I don't think he thinks he did anything wrong. So, I mean, I, I don't. Well, he never does. Right. I in I this mean, particular case, I mean, I don't the think the he does. Story is if. 
things like this have never happened before. Mm-hmm. At least not in my lifetime. Um, I don't remember ever there being a situation where the vast majority of a professional championship sports team was so offended by the president of the United States, they wouldn't go to a White House ceremony. That I- terrified Trump backers. Well, I, I get. I mean, thanks. I think Trump backers probably figure, the, you know, they they don't care what a bunch of millionaire athletes think. Now, again, I I just I, I'd have to go back, and I'm I'm trying to think, I, I'm trying to think if it ever happened. If if I remember stories, for example, during uh you know the the Bush years uh, about teams not going, I I don't recall any of these. But I guess I see I, my take on this is that I, I understand both sides. I understand why the players are upset because they think that they've that the president has used them as kind of, again, a political football, no pun intended. I understand that. But if they decide they don't want to come, I, I don't for the life of me see why the president is, is going to get criticized for canceling the event or at least altering the event to say, okay, they're, they're not coming, so fine, we'll cancel the, the invitation. We will do something else with, without them. I mean, I, I understand both sides of this and i mean if i had if i had arranged a dinner honoring someone and they decided for whatever reason that they weren't going to come well i'm not going to go ahead and i'm not going to do the at least the same event honoring that person just saying all right we're going to move on because lots of people are going to be talking about this today but that's kind of my take when we come back all right cnn was touting her as a rising democrat star um, I think it might be time for her to hire a lawyer to see if she stays out of prison. Stick around. It's 132. It's 137. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. The Brewers, their road trip continues as they look to get the bats going against the two-time Cy Young Award winner. The Brewers are in Cleveland to face the Indians. Our coverage starts 535 this evening. It is sponsored by Catholic Financial Life. All right. If you are a longtime listener of this station, and why not, you will remember... Our former morning news guy, Gene Miller's partner for a while, uh, John Jagler. John Jagler left. He gave up all the glamour of, of radio, and he is now a Republican state representative based out of the Watertown area. This story involves John. So he's been elected a couple times. It's a Republican district. Um, his Democrat challenger, or the woman who wants to be his Democrat challenger, is a woman named Sharice Daniels. And she was actually, she was a CNN, came out, she was featured in a CNN story um, last year about women across the country who decided to run for office after Donald Trump was elected president. You know, she said the election was an absolute kick in the gut. I knew the world looked different when I walked out the door. This isn't what I thought the world would be like. Um, so she's she was going to run. She got all this, this, she got touted for all these things. Well... Well, I guess there's a long way from being featured um, on CNN to actually winning the seat. Uh, this is what the Journal Sentinel's Dan Bice is reporting. To get on the ballot in a state assembly race, you need 200 valid signatures. You need 200 people who are eligible to vote in that district to sign to get you on the ballot. Um, if you're running for statewide office, you need 2,000. Uh, most candidates turn in way, way, way more signatures than you need because inevitably some signatures get tossed out. I- inevitably, it'll be 
I don't know, somebody who puts down uh, an address that doesn't live in the district or it's illegible or whatever. So, for example, years and years ago when I ran for statewide office, um, you needed 2,000. We turned in over 4,000 signatures. And I went back and they... I, I, and I reviewed them. I have, and, and I, I found out the Elections Commission like struck a, about 40 of the signatures. I never knew why it was, but it doesn't matter. You need 2,000. And, but, but you want to have, you turn in, the rule is you turn in way, 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 way more signatures, understanding that a couple are going to get tossed out along on the way. And it's not fraud or anything. It's just that's what ends up happening. Sometimes people put bad dates, whatever. Okay, so the, the deadline for turning in the signatures was the other day. This Sharice Daniels, who wants to run against Jagler, you need 200 signatures. She doesn't turn in 400. She doesn't turn in 300. She doesn't turn in 250. She turns in 201 signatures. One more than you need, assuming all of the signatures are valid. So first of all, what what is that about? You know, why what what is that about that you only turn in one more? It at best is the sign of of a really lazy candidate. But then it gets more interesting. Um, here's so two hundred and one. So she only got one more than she needs. But here's the way Dan Bice uh, reports it: a state Republican Party official filed a complaint on Monday with affidavits from fifteen people denying that they signed Daniel's nomination papers. Five more said that their signatures were forged and would attest to that fact. Seven others said the same, but wouldn't sign a sworn statement or promise to testify. Um, There were problems with three other signatures, including one that listed an address that was a vacant lot. Daniel's, this is the candidate herself, was the one who collected all of those 30 questionable signatures, at least according to the GOP complaint. Her campaign also submitted three duplicate signatures. Daniels, who did not return calls or emails, will have three days to respond to the election to the allegations. The Election Commission will then determine at its June 11th meeting if she gets bounced from the ballot. Here's what Jagler says. Uh, Jagler says he turned up the problem um, when he saw... He's, uh, He said, okay, I'm looking at her nomination papers, and he saw the signature of somebody named David Block, um, who Jagler says is a longtime supporter of his and a donor. And he sees this on the nomination papers for his opponent. So Jagler says he calls up this David Block and says, David, what the, you know, what the blank is going on here? And Block says, I've never heard of her. I didn't sign any paper. I didn't sign her at all. Um, then he said he noticed many of the signatures looked the same. <laughs> in other words, it looked like they're written in the same hand. So he began contacting everyone who signed the nomination papers submitted by Daniels. Some didn't even know what nomination papers were. Many did not know the Democratic candidate. A number were very angry that their signatures appeared on the campaign document. Jagler called it a strange day. Now, I guess... I mean, the, here let's let's cut through the chase. The implication of this is that she forged a number of people's names and addresses, and it appears, if it's true, that they were written in the same handwriting, and these were on the papers that she collected. It appears that you know um, she didn't get enough signatures, and then just started like signing people's names. Now, I don't know if that's the case or not, but regardless, when you have you need two hundred and you only submit 201, 
and you've got at least you know twenty to thirty people you know saying we didn't sign these things or our names are forged or whatever. It number one appears that you know she's she's not going to get on the ballot. So this is going to be the first question: What does the state elections commission do with this? And if the truth is that there's not two hundred one two hundred valid signatures, the easy answer is she doesn't get on the ballot. But here's the more difficult issue. But um, if it does in fact turn out, and by the way, it is a crime. Um, it is a crime to forge people's names on on nomination papers. If in fact it turns out that that is what happened. I don't know, haven't seen the nomination papers, but if, in fact, somebody forged somebody else's name on these nomination papers, whether it's the candidate or whether it's some supporter that's circulating them, that is a crime, and it's a crime which needs to be prosecuted. I mean, think about how you would feel if, again, it's a situation, I don't care, you're, you're a huge advocate of Gwen Moore. And you find out that whatever Republican is running against Gwen Moore has forged your name on his or her nomination papers. Well, deservedly, you would be outraged, and I think you'd expect something to be done. This, to me, if it's true, and I say if, but if it is true that you have a candidate who actually forged people's names on their nomination papers, it's not just a question of the elections board saying, okay, you don't have enough valid signatures, get on the ballot. That's a given. What needs to happen is if if it appears that's what did occur, the matter needs to go to the district attorney off, out there, and I believe this is Jefferson County. The Jefferson County district attorney, regardless of what his or her politics is, Jefferson County district attorney needs to bring charges. You simply cannot do this. I believe, again, forging nomination papers is a class – False statements on nomination papers, class I felony, last time I looked, I think. And if it appears that's what happened, that's where the result of this should be. So, again, you know, it's early on in the process. And what is really a pretty simple, perfunctory process, getting 200 signatures for somebody who wants to run for office is not a difficult thing. You show up at a couple farmer's markets or a couple... Uh, dairy breakfasts or whatever, and you should be able to get 200 signatures without any problem at all. But if the only way you were able to get 200 signatures is by making them up or forging them, yeah, it's not just a question of getting on the ballot, but it's a question of should you be going to Madison or should you be going to the women's prison in Tachita? And that's what I think the more significant inquiry is. If, in fact, this happened, like at least the story might suggest it did, just saying. It's 146. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 149, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. All right, the news broke, what, about a month and a half ago that uh, Boston stores, which have been you know, just an institution around here. I mean, there's, I, you know, I mean, I've lived here my entire, almost my entire life, and you know, Boston stores have been an institution around here. Uh, Boston stores are going out of business. The, the company, uh, the, the company that owns them are, you know, in bankruptcy. And so, they pretty much announced that all the Boston stores will be closed no later than the end of the summer, I think August 31st. But they've been having these going out of business sales, and we've been seeing a lot of advertising. Now, my wife, my wife is the queen of, she won't buy stuff unless it's on sale. She's an amazing woman, actually, because she'll walk in and she'll say, okay, I, I want this. Is this on sale? No. Well, has it ever been on sale? <laughs> well, I don't know. Well, is it going on sale? You know, give me whatever that sale price is. And she, she's just amazing with this. And 
you know, I'm not any good at that, but it, I, I just I have a lot of respect for that. So anyhow, you've got Boston Store, which is doing these going out of business sales. Now, Gru, who's producing the show, do you shop at Boston Store at all? No, you you don't. Okay, so you're part of the reason it's going out of business. All right, I, I don't, that's fine. In any event, I was talking to a number of my friends and colleagues today. And, you know, again, you know, Boston Store's starting to do the layoffs and things like that. But they've been having these going out of business sales. And one, two, three, four... Four people that I spoke to this morning all said that they had gone over to the going out of business sale expecting that they were going to get deals. And all four of them told me they were stunned at how, well, I I don't want to say how bad the deals were, but they thought they were going to be getting like clearance, going out of business sale stuff, and, and they weren't. They said, you know, it's, you know, they, they've, They've kind of restructured the way they're, they're pricing the stuff, but their general feeling was, having shopped at Boston Store in the past, was that, you know, what they're offering is the so-called closing, you know, going out of business sale is really no different and no better and maybe a little bit worse than what they would offer on some of just their regular sales. Huh. I don't, you know, I mean, I, I can't remember the last time I went and bought something in Boston Store, so... I might be responsible for that as well, but I am intrigued by this. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Have you been over to take advantage of, like, the closing sale and at least thus far? I mean, have, have you noticed, like, great price breaks on something? Because seriously, one, two, three, four people that I talked to today all went over to various stores. Now, maybe they weren't looking for the right items. I, I don't know, but all four of them, Looking for different things, walked away saying, "Huh, I, I didn't think these were, I didn't think these deals that they were offering were any better or any more spectacular than, you know, what you could have gotten on a regular basis." Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. I mean, is there really a sale going on right now? I mean, a realistic, meaningful sale. Have you noticed it? We discuss next. If you're on the line, hold on. It's one fifty two. This is Jeff Wagner. 155, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. I, I haven't been in Boston Store myself since they announced that they were liquidating, but but I, I'm just hearing from person after person saying the prices they are charging aren't, aren't like liquidation prices, and in some cases might be more than they were charging before they announced they were going out of business. Uh, Kim said, lifelong, lifelong shopper, sales prior were far better. I haven't bought a thing since they announced. Uh, the week before they did, I spent too much to say in case hubby is listening. 414-799-1620. John in New Berlin. John, you're at WTMJ. Hello. Yes, I went to two of the boss's stores, and I found that the rack, especially in the clothing, had more merchandise than I've ever seen on a rack, and much of the clothing was not of the Boston store caliber. And I thought, do huh. these people just bring in stuff from other stores that they've closed out and put them on the racks to try to sell them in this market rather than, let's huh. say, Philadelphia? And did you notice, and, and you thought, that was, did you, was there anything special about the pricing? The pricing was no better than, the, yeah. well, I didn't, I didn't, I think it was the the markdowns was was certainly not enough to attract me to go back again. Got it. Thanks for the call, Michelle and Grafton. Michelle, you're on WTMJ. Hi. Hi. I totally agree with you. I went with my girlfriend, and um, we cruised through the store, and it was like thirty percent. I mean, it was it was nothing. And we this is why Jeff Coles is doing so well. We turned around and V-lined to Coles, where we saved eighty percent off racks with your thirty percent off of the eighty percent off. Right. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, no, it's 
you know, if you're going to close it out, you're just getting whatever you can for the merchandise and Boston's restaurant doing that. Well, so and maybe, again, you know, maybe as the summer goes on, maybe by the time August 1st rolls around or something, there'll be spectacular deals. But at least right now, you know, if, if people think that they're getting some, like, great steal on stuff, that wasn't your experience. But, you know, no, no. And, Jeff, ask your wife, if, and she will probably agree with me. If you go in and you're discouraged, you're, it discourages you from going back and saying, well, I'm going to check it out again and again. It's a waste of time. Um, thanks for the call. Let's see. Uh, here's another text. The store had better deals before they announced they were going out of business. Um, I, I, I mean, again, I now I understand when you're dealing with Toys R. For example, this is not necessarily uncommon. You know, when the word gets out that you've got stuff like Toys R Us, or when when they were announcing that they were going out of business, you know, what what happened was that they maintained their regular pricing for a while, and then at the very end ended up starting to drop it. But I guess I'm just hearing from person after person who's been disappointed that they, they they think that they're getting a great deal, and at least right now, it's not that way. It's 158. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Your life, your style, your home. Harbor Village residents enjoy the best of both worlds in a community where staying in is just as much fun as going out. With amenities suited to every lifestyle and opportunities to explore right outside the front door. Harbor Village in historic Greendale, Wisconsin is the perfect choice for residents and families who are looking for a continuum of care community. Where residents can access independent living, assisted living, and memory care. Offering levels of care for changing needs. To learn more, visit SeniorLifestyle.com or call 414 240 it's that time of year when every day could be a Stein's Day. Whether for home decor or an outdoor living room, inspiring garden trends to a lush lawn, bird feeding to pet supplies, or just a gift idea for giving. Stein's Garden and Home. 16 locations in Milwaukee, Appleton, and Green Bay. Make your busy life simple. Heard it work? Contact Tayback for the payback. Go to Tayback It's 208. It's a Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So, Melissa, you weren't impressed by the Boston store prices? I have to admit, I agree with your listeners. I, I went there right when it started, the liquidation, and it said 30%, 40% off. And I thought, oh, I'm going to get some really great deals. Went to the racks. And like that other guy, I, I didn't think the clothes were the quality that they were supposed to be as well. And the prices... Um, it was 30% off the full retail price, right. so it was more than what you were even getting for right. um, for well, no sale before. Which, which is why people need to be careful, because yeah. like I say, if if the retail price is, is $10, for our sake of argument, and you say, okay, it's 50% off, that's $5, okay, well, maybe maybe the regular price that they were normally selling the thing for would be like $7, yes. and then you get the coupon for 30% off, so it's actually... At the end of the day, it's not a deal. Well, and it was crazy because I had a coupon um, because I had bought stuff there before. You get them in the mail. And then if you use your Boston credit card, you'd get another 10% off. And then I had a birthday coupon. I couldn't use any of that. Right. Yeah. So it all kind so of it's depends. Just, so it's the lesson is just, just beware of the thing. That's you know? right. Um, and and uh, right before the break, we had somebody call it during the break who was saying, well, that they actually work at Boston Store. And it is true that what what happens is there there is other – when you're liquidating – there is merchandise from other stores that are coming in. Presum- I mean, I have a text here, Jeff. I used to work for Gander Mountain. They went bankrupt, had to close down. 
they had sales, but it took a while for decent prices. But as one of your callers mentioned about bringing in different merchandise, they sure do. They would bring different merchandise in that wouldn't even be related to anything outdoors. <laughs> but, you know, what, what sometimes happens is the retailer would take the price, raise the cost up, so when the item goes on discount, the retailer doesn't take a bigger loss, yeah. which is to your point, Melissa. It's like, okay, well, we're giving you X percent off, off the retail price, but nobody pays the retail price. Ever, yeah. Right. Disappointing, but yeah. Well, and thanks for calling. And again, it's not, this isn't suggesting that you shouldn't go over and you know, shop at Boston store or things like that. It's just for people, and I was kind of intrigued when I had friends and colleagues who were saying this, for people who thought, gee, you're going to show up on that first day and you're going to get all these great buys and stuff. It doesn't appear that that's the case. Well, and another thing is that you, you don't have to, to raise your hand. Oh, you sorry. Well, I just wanted, to, <laughs> wanted you to know I wanted she's to talk. It's she's, like my, got, well, she's got her hand up. It's you my cue. It's my cue to you. Okay. okay. <laughs> so I, I wanted to say that, you know, once you get You've in there. You've been working with Macure too long. I, you don't I, have to raise your hand <laughs> to, to talk to me. Go ahead. It's in my nonverbal <laughs> communication. Um, so I was, now I don't even know what I was going to say anymore, Jeff. Jeez. <laughs> You know, when you go in there, you expect uh, the quality that you're, you're that you're used to, and then when you're going in earlier for these sales, you're hoping to get the best deals. When when it does come time that maybe the deals are better, you're not sure if the merchandise is going to be good. Right. You know, by the time it's seventy percent off, it, is everything going to be gone? I right. don't know. Yeah. It, right. The stuff that you want, and right, things like right. that. Yeah. Because I mean, I, I I'm not a retail shopper, but I remember around Christmas time. Fran, my wife, wanted uh, she wanted a, a, a new blouse to wear to a party or something. So it was just one of these things. Let's let's go. We went over to the Boston store at Bayshore because we were just in the Bayshore area, and um, it it was it was sort of interesting because I I, I then saw the way the sales work. So you find the blouse that's that's thirty percent off, and then like you say, you've got the coupon yes. for you know thirty percent off the you know forty percent off. And then you've got something else. And next thing I know, it's like they're almost giving it to you. Well, it's like, you know, it's like, here, we're going to pay you $10 to take this shirt. Or you have the yellow dot sales, the red dot sales. You have to match them all up. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, shopping can be fun and it can be a complicated process, too. <laughs> well, I, that is where we're going to have to disagree, my friend, because in, in my vernacular, shopping is never going to be fun. But I appreciate that it's. <laughs> you just uh, go straight to Tommy Bahama, right? Well, it's, yeah, that's, it's just, I, I'm a, I'm, I'm a buyer. I mean, it's kind of like, okay, you need a suit. Here, let's let's go buy suits. I I just don't enjoy it, but I I understand that a lot of people do. So that's it. So anyway, buyer beware. That's the bottom line. All right. As as long as we're talking about sort of lifestyle type of stuff, and this kind of ties into what I was saying in the last hour of the program. There's a new study out by the Pew Research Center that says um, seventy percent of people um, have kind of news fatigue, and I I am wrestling with trying to have the right mix between the hardcore politics and the current events and sort of some of the more interesting stuff. There was a story, and I'm not the only person that's doing this. There was an interesting story on the front page of today's Wall Street Journal that is talking about a new, what they say might be a new trend in in entertainment. If you are a regular listener to this program, you know that I'm a movie fan. I'm, I'm a huge, I'm a huge movie buff. My, my wife works evenings and she's gone like four evenings a week. So I, I've got, I have got time on my hands sometimes. And as a movie buff, I will, on occasion, I will go to a movie by myself. Um, there's, I, I, my, my wife and I have, have different tastes in movies. I mean, I like stuff, but she's like romantic comedies and historical dramas and stuff like that. Um, I, I, 
I like kind of raunchier comedies sometimes. I'll like, I, I, I will go see like an R-rated movie with a degree of violence. She has no tolerance for violence at all. Uh, I'll give you a good example of that. I, re- I very much want to see the Deadpool movie, the new Deadpool movie. I like the first one a lot. Um, tomorrow, again, early Brewers game, so I'm off. Uh, there's a 440 showing of Deadpool. Fran has to work tomorrow night. I'm thinking I'm going to go catch the movie. Now, I have friends I could call and try to put together like a movie afternoon. But at the same time, I'm thinking, you know, it might just be easier to scoot over, catch the show by myself. Now, I was thinking about that. And candidly, I wouldn't have thought anything of this, except there's a story in today's Wall Street Journal on the front page. It's called Seeing Solo Solo. And that's the new Han Solo movie. Movie lovers hit theaters alone. And it's a story about how more and more people are making the decision to go to movies by themselves. And the whole premise of the article is lots of people who do this, at first they start to feel like, well, they're, they're kind of losers. You know, or the people are going to look at them as losers. Oh, how pathetic this is. You're there at the movie, you know, by yourself. You know, you, you don't have a date or, or friends or whatever. And I, I guess maybe theoretically I understand it. But, you know, at, at the same time, I don't think there's anything wrong or uncomfortable or embarrassing about going to a movie by myself. Like I say, my wife isn't going to want to see some of the type of movies that I want to see. It's convenient to do it. I'm thinking of checking it out. One segment, 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Do you ever feel, do you ever feel, would you ever go to see a movie by yourself? And would you feel uncomfortable about doing that, that, gee, you know, it's supposed to be a situation where you go with a friend or you go with a date or you go with your spouse or, or whatever. I guess I've never really thought of it that way. If there's a movie that I want to see and it's playing at a time that I can go see it, I don't have any hesitation at all about going in, getting my popcorn, getting my giant Diet Coke and sitting down and watching the film. I guess I don't look at it as being that much different really than you know, sitting on my couch at home and Firing up a movie, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Would you hesitate to go to a movie by yourself? Jeff in Fox Point. Jeff, you're first. Good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. I saw Solo by myself, and I go to movies by myself all the time. There's nothing wrong with it. and you, it's, it's frowned upon to talk in the movie anyway, so it's no big deal. <laughs> well, well, right. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I like the – one of the things I like about going to theater – is I like the the common experience. You know, everybody laughs, everybody screams, everybody cries, everybody jumps together. You know, when the shark comes out of the water. But yeah, you're. I mean, I, I'm not going to be having a constant dialogue whether I'm with my brother or my friend or my niece or my nephew. I'm just. I'm going to be watching the movie. Yeah, and I get ticked off when other people talk in the theater, and I, I know I'm not the only one. <laughs> now, thanks for calling. Now, don't get me wrong. I I go to movies with with people. I mean, my wife and I will go to films. Um. I have a tradition of going with my brother and my sister-in-law and my niece and nephew um, when, when the superheroes movies open up. So the first night Avengers opened up, you know, I, I went with, uh, again, my family. And so it, it's not like, oh, I won't go with people or I don't have people to go with. But again, I mean, if, if tomorrow afternoon, as it turns out, you know, the, the movie is on, I've got nothing going on at 440, I've wanted to see it, I'm thinking, hey, I'd scoot over and I, I don't necessarily feel like i have to be making phone calls today to see if i can find somebody who can see the movie with me at 450 i mean it's just that's the case holly and brown deer text me she said i saw solo solo and i didn't think twice about it my husband couldn't go and i really 
wanted to see it. Yeah, exactly. Plus, the idea is, like I say, sometimes people have kind of different tastes, and, you know, who who wants to force somebody to go to a movie, you know, that they don't want to see? Craig in Milwaukee. Craig, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hello, Jeff. Thank you very much for taking my call. Yes, sir. Thanks for calling. Uh, a couple of years ago when Creed opened up. Okay. I'm a, I'm a diehard uh, Sylvester Stallone fan. I got there an hour early. First one in line, got my ticket, went next door, shopped at Walmart for 45 minutes. I sat inside the movie theater by myself. I tell you the truth, Jeff. I didn't think nothing of it. Yeah, ex- exactly. There was, actually, there was actually two other guys out by themselves, too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. You're, you're, you're there to enjoy the movie. Yeah, I, I get it. Um, Harry sends me a text. He says, I went to see Wonder Woman by myself. I was also the only person in the theater. Huh. Well, Wonder Woman is a pretty darn good movie, but that's that's the idea. I, I guess I had never really thought of it, but front page story in the Wall Street Journal today talking about how more and more people are are doing that. And I guess if there's a movie that I wanted to see, I I'm not antisocial at all, but I I wouldn't think twice of I can see it. Um, the timing is good. I'm gonna go check it out. So I might be doing that with Deadpool tomorrow. It's two nineteen. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's two twenty one. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Tell you what, we're going to move on. A lot of people go see the movies by themselves, and I think it's a fun thing to do. All right. I have um, Jeff Sessions is the Attorney General of the United States. I met him once or twice when he was the, uh, before he was in the U.S. Senate, he was the U.S. Attorney for Alabama, or one of the two districts in Alabama. And I, I met him back in, in that life once or twice. He was one of President Trump's earliest and most vocal campaign supporters. He was tabbed to be the Attorney General of the United States, and he was confirmed in part because I think a lot of people, even though some Democrats had some heartache about him and heartburn about him, he was he was a member of the Senate. He had a lot of respect. He was tabbed to be the Attorney General. He kind of sailed through his confirmation hearings. Um, because he was involved in the Trump campaign, once he took over as the Attorney General, he did not feel he personally should be supervising investigation into whether or not the Russians meddled in the campaign because, theoretically, maybe he would be a witness. So he recused himself. He stepped down, and that's what led to the appointment of the special counsel, Robert Mueller, that has so much attention from President Trump. Um, I, I think what Jeff Sessions did was the ethically appropriate thing. But ever since then, President Trump has just been kicking on on him. And the latest example is there's a there's a tweet that he sent out today. This is the president. The Russian witch hunt hoax continues all because Jeff Sessions didn't tell me he was going to recuse himself. I would have quickly picked someone else. So much time and money wasted. So many lives ruined. And Sessions knew better than most that there was no collusion. This is the president continuing to urinate, figuratively speaking, on his attorney general. I said this a few months ago, and this is not the first time the president has done this. Any any executive appointee, whether you're the U.S. attorney or whether you're an assistant U.S. attorney or whether you're the attorney general, you serve at the pleasure of the president. And if I were Jeff Sessions... The first couple times President Trump decided to publicly take publicly take me to the woodshed and say, well, he shouldn't have recused himself. This whole mess is all his fault, bloody blah, bloody blah, blah. 
I would have walked in and I would have said, Mr. President, if I've lost your faith and confidence, here's my letter of resignation. Find somebody else. Um, and, and Jeff Sessions hasn't done that. But this stuff today, the, the latest tweet, I wouldn't have picked him if he told, you know, if he would have told me he was going to recuse himself. Well, I, okay, first of all, I'm not sure it would be appropriate to have that conversation. But regardless, if you've lost trust in him, fire him. I mean, see, this this is what is frustrating to, to me, and this is somebody who tries to support President Trump when I, I think it's appropriate. This 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 decide this idea that you're going to beat down and you're going to attack a guy who I candidly think is a good American, who I, I think has served his country nobly in a variety of cas- capacities for a number of decades. You know, Jeff Sessions did what he thought he ethically had to do. Should he have told President Trump he was going to do it if the conversation came up before he was appointed? Okay, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But, you know, he's doing what I think he felt he ethically was supposed to do or required to do as the attorney general. But here's the bottom line, and this is what is so frustrating about this aspect of President Trump. If you're upset with the attorney general, if you think he should have recused himself, if you if he shouldn't have recused himself, if you would have appointed somebody else, well, fine, fire him, but shut up about it otherwise. This idea that you're going to publicly humiliate the people that work for you, to me, that brings out again all the for all the people who want to you know talk about you being a bully or whatever. This is the type of stuff that does that. President Trump can fire the Attorney General in the next ten minutes, and nobody can say anything about it. You serve at the pleasure of the president, and if President Trump wants to fire the Attorney General. And put somebody else in who you think can do the job better. All right, you you have the ability to do that. And theoretically, you know, if you replace him, maybe you don't have somebody that has the conflict. Maybe you can then fire Robert Mueller. I don't know. I'm not suggesting that go on. But the bottom line is this picking. If I were Jeff Sessions, I would have quit a long time ago. And I'm surprised that he hasn't. And maybe what President Trump is trying to do is goad him into resigning. If it were me, you wouldn't have had to goad me. The first tweet challenging, you know, my integrity or saying you wouldn't have picked me, that would have been one where I would have said life is too short. There's all sorts of things I can do. He's got plenty of money. He's in his 70s. There's all sorts of things that you can do other than be a public whipping boy for the president. And if I were Jeff Sessions, I would have stepped down a long time ago. He's getting kicked on again today by the president. I just don't think he deserves it. 227, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. What will be the lasting legacy of the BMO Harris Bradley Center? John McCure and Melissa Barkley take an in-depth look back at the Bucks, now former arena. Tune in. That's three fifty this afternoon on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. When we come back, I don't know. Too many drunks in Muskego spoil the third of July. Is it really that bad down there? We're going to be talking about that. 234, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, Grew, who's producing the show today and always. I am, um, over my lifetime, I I know, I was going to say several, that's not true, but I know at least a handful of women that I've come across in various professional roles who were pageant women. I mean, they, they were, they participated in various pageants over the course of their lifetime. And it's it's actually, they speak of them incredibly incredibly fondly there's no question about it they say they taught them poise and things like that um and the, the 
uh, with when it comes to pageants, I think it's something that you either you either get it or or you don't. But like I say I I know a, a few women at least who participated in pageants when they were younger, and they talk about how how much they enjoyed the process and how much they got out of this. Um, it used to be um, the Miss America pageant used to be a really really big deal. It's been around for like ninety five, ninety six years used to be a big deal and pageants have kind of like fallen out of of favor um the the ratings the ratings have been going down for you know quite a while now um let's see they used to be on abc now it's just on on cable first pageant was broadcast i'm just looking through it in 1954 uh last year the miss america pageant uh, drew 5.6 million viewers. It had 6.2 million in 2016. It had 7 million in 27 in 2015. So it, it's been on a downward spiral, and it's nowhere as big a deal as it used to be. I, I say a number of years ago. They've now today announced that they are making major changes to the Miss America pageant. Matter of fact, it's not even going to be called a pageant anymore. It's going to be the Miss America competition. Here's what the uh, they are saying. The contestants for all 50 states and the District of Columbia will uh, be asked to demonstrate their passion, their intelligence, and their overall understanding of the job of Miss America. However, they will no longer be expected to wear swimsuits. The swimsuit portion of the competition is gone to be replaced by a live interactive session with the judges. Similarly, the evening gown portion of the competition is going to be gone as well. And pageant, I'm sorry, it's not pageant. The women who participate are going to be um, allowed to wear attire that makes them feel confident and expresses their personal style. They will also discuss how they will advance their chosen causes called social impact initiatives by the Miss America organization. Uh, they're saying this is the justification for it. We've heard from a lot of young women who say, we'd love to be part of your program, but we don't want to be out there in high heels and a swimsuit. So guess what? You don't have to do that anymore. Who doesn't want to be empowered, learn leadership skills, and pay for college, and be able to show the world that who you are as a person from the inside of your soul, that's what we're going to be judging them on from now on. So no more swimsuit competition no more uh, uh, evening gown competition, all that stuff, any consideration, I guess, of looks. They now say they're not going to take into account. Um, instead, it's just going to be presumably who has the best personality and the greatest idea as to how to achieve world peace. 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This sounds, in, in a politically correct world, this sounds great. I, I understand in the hashtag Me Too world that we're in now, the, the idea that you know, you know, people might tune in to see attractive young women in swimsuits or in evening gowns. That that's that's misogynistic. That's just terrible. It's a throwback to the bad old days. But as a practical matter, the way they were doing things was not working as far as the uh, number of eyeballs, people watching it. Will this cause the Miss America pageant, it's not a pageant, sorry, the Miss America competition, will this reinvigorate it, or is this going to kill it once and for all? 414-799-1620, 
That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Is this a long overdue step saying that we, we should not treat women as sex objects or whatever? Who cares what they look like in swimsuits? Who cares what they look like in the evening gowns? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. My guess is, for better or for worse, this is the beginning of the end for the Miss America competition. Just saying that. Maybe that, maybe that's, you know, a sad commentary on America in 2018, but it's difficult for me to see big picture how making these kind of changes is going to enhance or increase their already struggling audience share. Let's start with Jim in Richfield. Jim, you're first. Hello. Hi. Hey, I'm not buying this at all. Um, when the first 300-pound woman wins Miss, Amer- or Miss uh, uh, America. America, I'll believe it. You know, how wonderful her personality is and everything else. They're not going to strut out anybody like that. And so don't give me this, that it's all, that it's not about, that it's all about the inside and all this other stuff. I, so you you think it's just going to be going to kind of one of these wink, wink, nod, nod things. You know, we're, we're not going to expect you to wear a swimsuit, but we're still going to be picking attractive women who look attractive in whatever clothing they choose. Absolutely. This, you know, this whole thing with political correctness right now is just gone. It's gone just crazy. Um, thanks to call four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You know, like I say, I mean, I, I I understand that we're trying to get away from a point of where we objectify women and things like that. But I mean, I I guess at some point in time, where do you end up drawing the line? Are we going to say no more Sports Illustrated, you know, swimsuit edition? We 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 can't do that anymore. You know, where are you going to end up drawing the line? And are pageants really a bad thing? Like I say, they don't even use the word pageant anymore. Now it's going to be called a, a competition. And I, I started this by saying I know at least a handful of women who came up competing in the old-fashioned, quote-unquote, beauty pageants and loved the experience. Bill in Plymouth. Bill, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, thanks for talking to me. Yes, sir. Yeah, this will be the end of pageants uh, altogether because it just will be. People want to see beautiful women. even. Beautiful women want to see beautiful women. Well, that's you know that's an interesting perspective. I mean, would you know the you know the the lady the the fifty year old lady sitting at home, woman you know with her with her husband watching TV. You know, do do you want to hear you know some eighteen year old from Oklahoma talking about what her solution is, what her idea is for world peace, or do you want to see what she looks like you know all dolled up in an evening gown? I I, I wonder how women are going to react to that. Yeah, yeah, thanks for I mean, no, thanks for calling. I appreciate it. Which is interesting. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. A lot of calls. All my calls right now are for guys. So, ladies, I am curious from a female perspective here. Um, is this is this a positive step? Are you glad to say? I mean, look, and I get it. The argument is, you know, why? You know, you can't imagine you wouldn't put guys out there as a general rule. You know, parading around in. Now, now they're not in bikinis anymore. I think, isn't it like one-piece bathing suits and stuff like that? But, you know, you, you wouldn't put guys out there in these high heels, which admittedly were an invention of men. You wouldn't put guys out there in, you know, high heels or things like that. You know, why should women be out there treated like a piece of meat? I mean, should we be offended by these these pageants? 414-799-1620. Don and Racine. Don, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, how you doing? Good. What do you think? Is this going to kill the pageants? Well, I think it will. I really do because 
it says something about, you know, people watch pageants as a man view that, you know, they like to see them in. You want to see gowns. pretty, you want to see pretty girls. <laughs> no, you want to see them in evening gowns. You want to see them in swimsuits, but that doesn't tell what their personality is. Right. And then when, you know, they come out with their personalities and their views, it's a whole different story. Mm-hmm. You know, I really don't think they need to be sitting there in a bathing suit and telling their personality or their yeah. views of life or what they want to do in life. Well, I guess thanks for coming. See, I think I mean it's I think it's kind of part of the the whole package, and that's what that's what pageants have historically been. You're, you know, you're looking for you're looking for you know people who are beautiful on the inside and the outside, and I understand that that's it does exclude it ends up you know weeding out some sort of of people i mean it did, not everybody can participate but that's the whole idea of of the, the concept of beauty pageants you know may, and maybe that is maybe that's just 1950s and maybe in 2018 we don't have room for the beauty pageants anymore but i, I think there's a lot of women who women as well as men i think there's a lot of women who enjoyed participating in kind of that pageant culture. You watch some of these TV shows that are out there where you've got all the women that are, are putting their kids through the pageant stuff. I mean, I think they feel that there is a value to this. Um, you know, have you know, have we done something now? Let's talk to Nikki in Milwaukee. Hi, Nikki. Hi. I personally think that the swimsuit edition version of that particular competition could have went away years ago. That's okay. not really a thing we need anymore. Not necessarily just the Me Too movement or whatever, but because we're supposed to be representing our country for the Miss Universe contest. That's what this is for. Mm -hmm. So that goes away. That's fine. That's still a very intelligent, educated, well-spoken woman that's representing us. The evening on competition should probably stay due to the fact that a lot of designers make a lot of money off of that. And that's good for business. You know, I, I don't really... No, if I could sit through three hours of girls talking about what they think at 18, 19 years old, this will save the world. This is what we need for. Yeah, that, that's, that's going to be kind of my, yeah, that, I, I don't mean to be disrespectful to that, but yeah, that's kind of, that's sort of it. I mean, are, are people going to tune in for three hours to watch interviews with women sitting, you know, interviews with women just talking about at the age of 19, how they want to save the world? And I'm, I'm it doesn't sound like it's appealing to me. <laughs> it just doesn't. Well, what's the next step, though? Are they going to now, because the Boy Scouts can enroll girls, are we going to now have men enrolling in this? Because, well, we have to. We have to be PC about everything, and it's fair for everybody. Right, just Come mi- on, right, Mr. Right, thanks, Mr. Or, Mr. or Ms. America. All right, we continue the conversation in just a minute. If you're on the line, please hold on. I, I, I just have to say, and I just, as a practical matter, as an observer, uh, I, I just, I... I will be stunned if this is not the death blow of the Miss America, not pageant, but the Miss America competition moving forward. It's 2.47. Back with more of your calls in just a moment. 2.50, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. All right, some of the texts are quickly pushing me to my depth, beyond my depth on the whole Miss America, Miss USA competition. But here, here's the deal. Miss America, which is now no longer considered a pageant, they're announcing today it's just going to be a competition, no swimsuits, no evening gowns. That is different than Miss USA, which my understanding is Miss USA is going to continue to do pageants and evening gowns. The winner of Miss USA goes on to compete in the Miss Universe pageants. Uh, Miss America is just Miss America. 
least that's my understanding of this. Let's talk to Christina in Hartford. Hi, Christina. Hi, Jeff. Um, I think it's a great idea. Um, I don't mean to offend anyone, of course, but beautiful women nowadays on TV are a dime a dozen. There's nothing spectacular about that, and I don't understand what the draw is for a pageant. Um, if you're going to make it something intellectual or something built on an idea um, or some sort of, you know, competition, can these women do this? Or what are these women bringing to the table? It's going to make it interesting. And I just, you know, especially with Internet access and everything like that, it's, you know. Well, yeah, well, we well, okay, and, 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 I, well, see, and I don't mean to be and I don't mean to be flip about this, but I, I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to pers- I'm trying to view it from the perspective of. You know all the competition that's out there to, for for te- for viewers. You know for for eyeballs. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. Do you think that there's going to be a large number of people that are going to tune in to hear, uh, you know, a, a bunch of women just interacting with judges on their ideas of uh, again how we achieve peace in the Middle East or whatever? And I'm not trying to be flip. I'm just trying to yeah. talk about yeah. it from a perspective of will it attract viewers? Of course not. That's why I think they have, to cho- they have a really great opportunity to choose a really great format and come up with something brand new to engage us in mm-hmm. this competition. I, I've, for years, I've hated that Miss America or Miss Universe or whatever the title is, is chosen because she's pretty and looks great in a swimsuit. I mean, how does that symbolize okay. the universe over America? Okay, Christine. Well, let me, let me ask you then the $64,000 question. <laughs> Do you think, okay, so we're, we're going to call it, we're not going to call it a pageant, we're going to call it a competition. Yeah. We're not going to have the swimsuits, we're not going to have the evening gowns. What do you think the odds are that whoever wins the Miss America competition isn't going to be some woman that looks great in a swimsuit or a uh, an evening gown? I don't know. Um, I could see um, it moving a little bit off of the perfect 10 women. I honestly could see it going in that direction. But then again, if you look at TV and the writing that's yeah. come out of Hollywood lately, probably not. Yeah, no, th- and that's, I mean, that, that, see, and that's what the interesting, that is going to be one of the fascinating things because, okay, they're, they're not, we're, 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 we're not going to objectify women. We're not going to have the women in the evening gowns. We're not going to have the women in the swimsuits and the high heels, which, again, high heels are clearly a man's creation. I mean, what, uh, how it could be more uncomfortable than that, but they're not going to do that. But then I guess my question is going to be, you know, is, is the winner of this going to be somebody who wouldn't look great when she's, you know, out and about doing the job duties of Miss America that wouldn't look great in a swimsuit and stuff? I mean, is this just all kind of window dressing, no pun intended? I, I guess we'll see. And, and the, the ratings have been struggling. Like I say, the number of people watching have been declining dramatically over the years. I maybe this they view this as a way to revitalize it I, unless they can come up with a great concept figure out you know gee how can we you know we, we want this to be American Idol how can we we do that unless they do it I, I think it's going to lead to the demise of the pageant but again they're struggling as it is all right it's 254 I'm sorry a lot of people want to weigh in on this but I'm kind of up against the clock it's 254 when we come back we're going to find out what John and Greg and Melissa have on their minds please stick around 